0: Mm-hmm. Hello, welcome to the Healthy For Men Podumentary Series. My name's Tom Rowley. I'm the editor of Healthy For Men Magazine. Before we get going, just a quick partnership announcement. This episode is brought to you by Bounce Foods. Now, Bounce's mission is to inspire positive change in the way people eat, think, and live, which is what the Healthy For Men Podumentary Series is all about. If you haven't tried Bounce Foods before, they're full of high-quality protein, high-quality vitamins and minerals, and they're great for when you're on the go and you need a quick snack. There's also a vegan option called V-Life, which are made from almonds and plant protein super tasty super convenient grab a bounce ball from any holland and barrett store throughout the uk or visit bouncefoods.com for more information
1: of course i've campaigned for nearly 20 years as a vegan myself to have mainstream companies give more consideration to what they offer so it's any victory is a great victory and i, I celebrated The world is warming to the idea that we don't need animal
0: products in our food every day. The big question is, do we need meat and dairy at all? But what about protein, calcium, iron? Is a plant-based diet really the healthiest option for anyone? I feel much better. And
2: I know that I think that some people would kind of say, oh yeah, you're just saying that to to make me go vegan or whatever, but I do genuinely feel better, I feel like kind of in the the best shape I've been in for a while, I sort of have a bit more energy and my diet is now far more varied than it ever was previously.
0: Are vegans more or less responsible about their health?
3: A lot of these messages are targeted at teenagers, lots of young people coming off dairy without necessarily understanding the potential future consequences of having osteoporosis much earlier than anyone would want anyone to have it
0: And does society suffer a cognitive dissonance between animal and human?
4: It, it, was, a, it was a difficult process definitely because we had the shop we were selling a lot of meat all our friends as I said they were farmers and um, like you know turning the farm into a vegetable farm and just feeling good about not causing so much harm to, to, to animals. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great, really.
0: Is veganism really about nutrition? Or
5: is it just a response to factory farming? Once you understand the process and the horrors that are behind the dairy industry, as soon as I learned that, I, I said to myself, I can never eat it again.
0: I'm Tom Rowley, and you're listening to episode two of the Healthy For Men Podumentary series. According to the UK National Statistics Office, beef and veal consumption in the UK is now less than twice than it was back in 1975, with a steady decrease almost every year since then. More than half of UK adults are now adopting vegan buying behaviour, while the number of full-time vegans in the UK has grown fourfold in the past ten years. Those with animal well-being and the environment as a priority will no doubt think this is a step in the right direction. But is it good for the world of human nutrition? The answer is more complicated than people like to believe. In this episode, we explore the ups and downs of the vegan lifestyle, the nutritional facts about dairy products, and whether it's possible to maintain optimum health on plants alone. We speak to a nutritional consultant, a dietitian, and those who've had complicated relationships with the vegan lifestyle. We also speak to a vegan bodybuilder
6: and a zero-carb carnivore. Um, veganism isn't inherently bad for you, you know, bad diet is bad for you. So the thing about veganism is you have to look out or search out those things you're not going to be easily able to get from a plant-based diet. That's Drew Price, our nutritional consultant. He's
0: going to clear up a bit of the science for us later. But why is there such a contentious debate about the vegan lifestyle? Our journey starts in Waterstone's bookstore in London. Hi, I'm Gaz Oakley, and I'm from Avantgarde Vegan. Gaz is a vegan chef and food internet sensation with nearly half a million YouTube subscribers. Gaz's slick cooking shows are an example of a new breed of vegan life, normalising plant-based eating. We went to interview Gaz
5: before his live Q&A. lost my passion for cooking in a sense. I always cooked, but I was actually cooking um, just Typical meals for someone who goes to the gym often because I was actually weight training at the time so I was making boring meals. It wasn't until I went vegan that I sort of um, rediscovered my passion for cooking, um, experimenting with um, different ingredients and yeah, it totally transformed the way I think about food. I'm so pleased obviously I I went vegan. Through a plant-based diet, Gaz was able to reinvigorate his
0: love for food and cooking. But what was it that made Gaz give up meat and dairy in the first place?
5: Um, I've always had a love for animals, and uh, after watching a few different documentaries, and one speech in particular on YouTube by Gary Yorofsky, who's a um, a retired activist now, um, was enough to make me go vegan overnight.
1: Now, I know these statements sound pretty harsh and controversial to you, but that doesn't mean they aren't true. The fact that anyone would fight against veganism against animal liberation, which means you are against compassion, just proves how completely irrational meat, dairy, and egg eaters can be. Vegans are only asking you to change what
3: you eat,
7: not who you are.
0: Gary Urofsky is one of the many activists who have helped persuade people like Gaz to switch over to a vegan lifestyle. But what exactly is veganism? According to Google Trends, the search term vegan has grown 63% worldwide since 2013. That's an average of 22% growth each year. This growing data is proving that this is not just a passing trend, but something much larger. Meat-free diets have always existed in certain cultures, but veganism is a relatively contemporary concept. We spoke to The Vegan Society to learn about how veganism was born.
8: My name's Sam Calvert and I'm Head of Communications at The Vegan Society. They've always been vegans, they've always been people who followed a very simple plant-based diet. Um, But um, The Vegan Society itself um, and the term veganism goes back to 1944. Um, when a group of members of the vegetarian society um, wanted to create a, a, a separate group which would um, represent non-dairy vegetarianism which is how they describe themselves non-dairy vegetarians you can see why they needed a new name one of the founding members who was very involved in it Donald Watson um, was keen to have a short name because he'd been typing the word vegetarian for many years some of the members there were about half a dozen people that met actually in Holborn at the Attic Club in London and um, to found the society and a couple of them the Henderson's the husband and wife team suggested the term all vegan as, as the name of the organisation and all vegan as the name of the magazine or the journal. And um, that was shortened by Donald Watson down to the word vegan.
0: True veganism is a lifestyle that nurtures compassion for animals and extends far beyond the kind of food that we consume.
8: I suppose the the main difference really is about veganism being extended to vegan lifestyle. Um, So we do talk about dietary, or we used to talk about dietary vegans, meaning people who followed a vegan diet. Um, Nowadays, people who follow a vegan diet often refer to themselves as plant-based, meaning they they eat plants but it doesn't extend to other aspects of their life. So I suppose we would say that vegans are people who are more likely to make sure that their um, household products or their cosmetics or toiletries haven't been tested on animals and that they also don't contain any animal products and also clothing. Um, So leather as you mentioned, um, wool, silk and it's interesting you make that point about 100% vegan and we would in our definition of veganism, for quite a long time we've used the expression as far as is practicable and possible. And it's an acknowledgement that you can't, unfortunately, be 100% vegan. It's an aspiration we're all trying to live up to, but in reality um, we live in a non-vegan world. And it, vegans, you know, quite sensibly acknowledge that. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Just because it's impossible um, to avoid all cruelty doesn't mean that we can't try and do as much as possible.
4: We
0: spoke to Joss Acock who understands what it means to transition to a vegan lifestyle.
2: Uh, my name is Joss Aycock. I am a, an artist manager working in music. Eggs was actually the hardest thing for me. I was eating a lot of eggs. So my mum my has, has chickens back home, and I had this, when I first went home, sort of a, few, you know, a couple of months after saying I was vegan, I had this this dilemma of, do I, do I eat these eggs? Because these chickens are happy chickens. I, you know, I say they have a very good life. And, they're producing these eggs, whether I, whether they're eaten or not. And so for a couple of times, I would go home and then I would just, those are the only eggs I'd eat when I went back to my mum. Sometimes I'd even take some back to London. But then there was just a shift where, because I wasn't eating them very much, wasn't going home very much, when I, then when I did start eating them, it felt weird. It was suddenly like, this is the only bit of animal product that I'm eating. And I was so aware of where an egg was coming from. That it just naturally got. I was like, ah, actually, I'm d- you know I'm done with eating eggs. So it's weird. It's just a kind of a slight realignment, I think, of your of the way you see things, and and that then makes it very easy to not do it.
0: In that case, veganism as a doctrine goes beyond simple compassion and into a categorical imperative to not rely on animals in any way. It can become a way of life where there is no looking back. But what about those who kill animals on a daily basis? Are they all too indoctrined to make a drastic change?
4: Me and my girlfriend decided uh, 12 years ago to move out to the countryside and to start a small farm. Well, our vision of a farm is that included keeping animals. Uh, We decided to start keeping pigs on the farm. On a small scale, they usually have, you have these huge uh, pig farms, you know, with uh, hundreds or thousands of pigs. But we wanted to we wanted to do it in a, on a small scale and keep like, you know, 30 pigs at a time, and the pigs could go outside and graze and be happy pigs. Uh, really, we 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 weren't really happy with the way most farmers would keep their animals. You know, as I think. Most people also agree on that. This factory farming is is a rather sick system, you know, so I think we thought we could do it better than most farmers were doing it.
0: After questioning the ethics of industrial farming, Swedish farmer Gustav Zödervelt was raising and killing pigs in the most humane way that he could.
4: It was a gradual process, I think. Like I said, we started raising animals because we we cared about the animals, you know. Then we got more pigs, more animals. We started a shop also in the nearby town where we were selling uh, the meat from our pigs as well as uh, meat from other farms, small local farms with high quality meat and, you know, humane slaughter and all that. And uh, the whole thing became more and more of a business. And that kind of started to bother me, I guess, because I I felt that we were getting further and further away from our original vision.
0: A respectable and progressive move away from a system often criticized for its lack of compassion. But there was another step in Gustav's journey that would change his farming and family life forever.
4: We, we were kind of organic, nature-focused people, you know. And all of a sudden, all our money, all our earnings were coming from killing animals. And I I think that started to bother me more and more. And I was losing the joy of farming, I guess. It started to feel um, wrong in in a deep sense, really.
0: Gustaf's farm was built on a foundation of love for nature. But the more his business grew, the more he realized he was only making money from killing animals.
4: Well, we live in the Swedish countryside and there's no vegans here. And all our friends were farmers and um, I was not very familiar with with veganism at all. So going vegan was never an option for me until I started to watch vegan YouTube videos for some reason on, on on my spare time, I guess. I, I, You know, you start to click on one video and it kind of, you know, it's uh, it opens your eyes a little bit. And then you click on another video and all of a sudden you, you've watched hours and hours of vegan YouTubers. and And they really made sense to me because I think in a way they were thinking the same thoughts that I was thinking originally. You know, that you should care about animals. When I heard these vegans, I could really put words on, on those feelings i was drifting away from my original vision with with the farm and uh, where my you know what i was doing with my life i guess you know
0: giving up his farm was not easy for gustav but the integrity he felt about nature was much stronger than his appreciation for financial gain
4: it it was a, it was a difficult process definitely because we had the shop we were selling a lot of meat all our friends as i said they were farmers and um, all our customers were kind of expecting this high quality meat and um, and then we just stopped you know and <laughs> that, that was hard we had also put a lot of money and energy into uh, turning this farm into a pig farm and that was just lo- totally useless now that we w- when we had stopped raising animals so I didn't think it would be this good for me in the beginning it was just like will I have to stop doing this you know but it turned into this whole new thing that I was really enjoying doing you know, turning the farm into a vegetable farm and just feeling good about not causing so much harm to, to animals. It's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great, really.
0: Today, Gustav and his wife run a successful farm in Sweden where kids can come and learn about vegetable farming and no animals are harmed. While organic farming helps to create a socially, environmentally and economically sustainable food production system, Gustav made this leap based on compassion for living beings alone. But there are some who are encouraged to change their lifestyles, not because of external factors, but because of the risks that they might be imposing on their health and well-being. Matthew Betts is a medical student whose interest in plant-based nutrition encouraged him to give up dairy and meat.
9: Um, moved on to medical school um, and very quickly Uh, on account of going to evening lectures and such like um, became increasingly interested in initially the nutritional argument um, for cutting out animal products from the diet uh, which was then supplemented by the usual suspects in terms of the environmental and ethical uh, agenda and um, I went vegetarian very quickly Um, and I was vegetarian for three years three and a half years and then I did veganism
0: so how did you gradually sort of wean off the dairy products and go into veganism?
9: What I was finding anyway was that because they were, I, I guess, three or four years ago, there was actually quite a, um, a vogue for the uh, replacement products anyway. So I was finding that I was buying soya or almond or oat milk anyway and, and just eschewing the dairy. And... Um, so for me, it was a matter of thinking, well, okay, it's only one more step to not buy cheese. It wasn't very, it wasn't really much of a transition because I was eating sort of fairly elemental, uh, subsistence style food. Cause I'm, I mean, as a student, it was just all sort of what I could make in one pot kind of thing pretty cost effectively. So it wasn't really a huge transition to be honest. With
0: any restrictive diet, it's easy to unknowingly make nutritional sacrifices. And in time, Matthew would find himself having to reassess his dietary choices.
9: I was feeling pretty fine, to be honest, but I was going to the doctor for something else, for investigations into something else, and that all came back clear, but then my GP said, "Well." I think you should probably have a look, closer look at your iron levels because um, your haemoglobin is low. And then eventually you start stripping your storage in your liver of, of iron because there's just not enough coming in. So essentially I, I utterly embodied um, iron deficiency anemia in, 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 uh, in terms of dietary, deficient dietary intake. As a medical student, I'm a, t- a tiny bit more privileged, I suppose, because I knew the drill. So I said to her, well, okay, I know my options. It's either take a, a constipating tablet for three months or do I just sort of sign off and, and take meat again? And um, I, for me, actually, it was quite an easy decision at that point. Um, you know, I've, I've begun to step further and further away from the ethical and environmental arguments purely because it, for me it became a matter of nutritional imperative, Um, and as a medical student uh, I've also spent a year studying nutrition down here in London. Those facts and and factors have, have just become more and more and more important for me. Drastic changes in the way we eat can
0: have serious side effects. Some may see this as collateral damage from a progressive ethical decision, while others like Matthew who've changed their diet based on nutritional arguments may have been misled. But let's put aside the question of whether a dairy and meat-free diet is a healthy option and ask,
10: do we need plants in our diets at all? Put together a pan of, um, well it, it varies, it might be a mixture of minces, like some beef mince or some lamb mince, or pork mince, eggs, bacon, um, grate some cheese in there, add another egg, put some more butter in. See if there's enough butter, put some more butter in, add another egg, a bit more cheese until the pile looks big enough and cook it through, scrape it onto a plate and enjoy. Hugh Davies
0: is a Level 3 strength and conditioning coach. Hugh adopts a zero-carb
10: philosophy and lives on nothing more than animal produce. I predominantly meat. I call myself a zero-carber. I wouldn't call myself a a carnivore yet because I still eat uh, eggs and cheese. But apart from the eggs and the cheese, um, I think it's just meat. Wow. So there you go. So zero, zero. My, my goal is every day to eat zero carbs. And um, since I'm relatively new to it, um, I'll, my, end, my end point will be just meat, I hope. That's an interesting point, because I would have
0: presumed that as a carnivore, you'd be able to eat eggs and cheese and things like that. Carnivores in, in the wild,
10: for example, would eat Steal an egg, wouldn't they? Definitely have eggs. Yeah, yeah. Cheese, cheese um, still has lactose in it, and that may be problematical for some people. I don't think I have personally any problems eating cheese, but I'd like I'd like to experiment with. Um, you know, a lot of people do a thirty day pure meat e- eating test to see if there are any improvements in things like body composition or mood or. Um, aches and pains, those sorts of things and and, and if, if it works then they tend to stick to it and if it doesn't work then they maybe go back to eating bits of cheese and things like that, yeah. You know, I've spent time as a vegetarian. I've even spent a brief moment as a vegan when I was sharing a house with some vegans. Um, I've been a a carb monster when I was a a competitive triathlete myself. You know, I fueled it all on carbs, um, just as everyone did. Uh, And then I've done the the, um, reducing grains. I've done a ketogenic diet as well. Um, And they've all been steps towards getting down to zero carb. And right now, today, uh, with about a year of zero carb, I, I think I possibly feel the best I've felt in my whole life.
0: Vegan Joss Acock claims to feel similar to Hugh on a plant-based diet.
2: I feel much better. And I know that I think that some people would kind of say, oh, yeah, you're just saying that to, to make me go vegan or whatever. But I do genuinely feel better, I feel like kind of in the, in the best shape I've been in for a while, I sort of have a bit more energy and so that's a, that's, that's a really key one for me. I was one that I wasn't even, I wasn't doing it to feel better, you know, for me it was really all about the just not, uh, just not wanting to be a part of industries that I thought were, were, were kind of awful.
0: Vegans and carnivores all claiming to feel better than they've ever felt in their lives.
10: Well, um, in the carnivore community, we regard it as simply just the food that humans have evolved to eat. Um, Biological, currently in our own bodies right now, there are things there that point to us being carnivores. Um, Archaeological evidence as well um, points to humans really having evolved as carnivores. You know, there's textual evidence as well of what what sort of... were rewards in... um, in ancient civilizations, you know, um, meat was very highly prized. Living off the fat of the land was, is a phrase that dates from, you know, time immemorial, showing that we, we've evolved to eat fat. Um, the clues in our body are things like the gallbladder. Um, uh, mammals have gallbladders, but only, only carnivores have gallbladders, so uh, herbivores don't have gallbladders.
0: Hugh raises a good point about the body's adaptation to meat consumption. But evolution does not intrinsically contain directions for how to live and what to eat. We can only make those choices based on how we feel about the world and what we know about our body's relationship with certain foods.
10: I personally am not massively dogmatic about carnivory because it possibly not tried and tested especially if you don't subscribe to that really powerful evolutionary message but i think what we do know is is that um, nature doesn't plan for the long term as long as you get to the age where you can procreate and then you procreate and pass on your dna nature's done with you then you're done you know you can die that's fine so nature doesn't think long term. So if you, if you can get to that point eating vegetables, nature doesn't mind, your DNA doesn't mind. But we are cursed <laughs> with brains which, are, which force us to think long term sometimes. So the, the, the difference I'd say is, is that you can, if you're able to think long term and you want to optimize, then probably carnivory is a very good choice. If you don't care about a, a healthy old age, then a, a heavily plant-based diet will probably get you into all sorts of trouble when you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s. And therefore, if you're able to think that far and think about how you might be, and you have a, a choice and a fork in the road where you can say, I'll go down the carnivory path and all, all things being well, I'll, I'll be healthy when I'm 80 and I'll go down the vegan path or the plant-based path. And all evidence shows seems to point to the fact that I'll be less less healthy when I'm 80, so for, for me that's a no-brainer. You know, I've got young kids, I want to be around when they're in their 20s and 30s. I don't want to be in a wheelchair with a, with a broken hip and, and no teeth, you know. So let's have a look at the science.
0: If we want to know what's best for our bodies, all we can do is try and understand the scientific results from reliable studies. But these studies, while their methodology might be adept, Interpreting the results can lead to ill-conceived conclusions.
6: My name's Drew Price. Uh, I'm a nutrition consultant. This is fairly controversial. You know, it's by no means kind of written in stone, but uh, if you look at the research, it it says that there aren't necessarily advantages to veganism. If you're omnivorous, i.e. you eat meat, fish, eggs, milk, you know, dairy products, if you do it right, you can be just as healthy. Now people, and it's an underlying element to all this research, people who adopt a diet style that's not particularly easy to do for their health are motivated for better health. So they've got all the other things going on. They're getting better sleep. They're getting more exercise. This is the problem with research, is that you have to know kind of what types of things you're looking for and what necessarily supports your argument and what doesn't. And what these, we call them confounds. So if I adopt a vegetarian diet and I start exercising at the same time, what did me more good? Well, it's impossible to know because you've confounded the results by doing the exercise.
0: Sophie Medlin is a dietitian who has some concerns about the public's lack of knowledge about vegan nutrition.
3: The way that meat and dairy are demonised and that you, people are saying that actually you know, it's bad for you, yes, uh, there is some evidence that ov- obviously meat we know is carcinogenic in some forms. However, you're comparing two groups that are completely different when you look at that literature. So you're looking at people who eat, say, bacon for breakfast, a sausage sandwich at lunchtime, and then some more processed meat in the evening. Those people are included in the meat eater group. Yeah. whereas if you're talking about vegetarians for example, they tend to be much more diet conscious, they tend to live in a certain way uh, their diet tends to be more balanced because they tend to be from a higher socioeconomic group, from a more educated group, just because of the demographic and it's just the way it is and then vegans again, even more careful with their diet, even more diet conscious hopefully and I'm just doing some research on this at the moment actually Um, so in theory the nutritional knowledge and the socioeconomic background of the vegetarian and vegan group is very, very different to the meat-eater group, which will vary from people eating processed meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all the way through to people who only eat, say, steak, ethically sourced steak, twice a week. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that variation in the meat-eater department isn't a fair comparison
6: to the other groups. The, the best and the kind of the big picture and the best of the research shows that you can have a mixed diet and get the advantages. Um, but, you know, there's different types of omnivores out there. Um, There's the ones that just eat steak, you know, and bacon, and that's that. Well, they're not going to get the advantages of an omnivorous diet with lots of vegetables and healthy fats and so on, just as there's many types of vegan eating out there, you know, loads of pasta or, you know, whatever. So there are advantages, but you have to do them right, like any diet. You have to do it right.
2: my diet is now far more varied than it ever was previously. Um I think that that for me has actually been one of the best things about it. So I would you know I I used to I used to enjoy cooking to a degree, but I think my my I would always come back from work and it'd be like, oh you know what do I what else should I make? Okay, well let's start with what meat I'm gonna have. So is it going to be chicken or am I going to have a steak or whatever and then it would be with some potatoes and some veg or something. And it was a very basic kind of diet. Um, I think having, having made the decision to go vegan and also make, made the decision to go vegan and do it properly and not be now malnourished and not you know not give people an excuse to say that you shouldn't do that diet because you know you're not healthy. So I think I have been very cautious to yeah, to make sure I'm getting enough of everything and that's led me down a path of really learning about nutrition um, and then learning to cook more.
0: Can you give me an outline as to
6: how you should have a healthy vegan diet? Uh, the classic one is B12, vitamin B12. Uh, vitamins, you know, they're are a group of um, nutrients that are necessary for life. Um, that's, the, that's the vit bit, that vital. It means necessary for life. Now, they're cofactors in kind of biochemical pathways in your body. If you don't get B12, you start... Getting problems with um, oxygen carrying in the blood, you get uh, you start getting neurological problems, things like kind of uh, things that look like dementia, that type of thing. So the problem with v- B12 is that um, it's produced by bacteria in the gut of ruminants, and those ruminants, so cows and so on, uh, they absorb that B12, and then we eat meat. We do produce a tiny, tiny little bit of B12 in our own guts, but it's, n- it's just not enough. So you have to look that out. I and mean, that's a pretty simple one to cover. But you have to know that you need that. You know, it's all about education. Yeah, if you, if you, it's like anything to do with diet. If you, if you don't know, then you can't tell. But there's, there's other issues. There's the polyunsaturated fats. So you may have heard of omega-3. Um, omega-3 you can get from plant sources, Um, ALA, alpha-linoleic acid, is uh, found in flax seeds and things like that, but it's not quite the right type of fatty acid for us. So what we have to do is we have to take that fatty acid and convert it into the ones we do actually use in our body, which are EPA and DHA. Um, Again, it's all the same family. They're omega-3 fats, but they're the ones we actually use. Meat eaters will get that from fish, uh, you can even get it from, you know, dairy, eggs, and things like that. So you usually find these things in supplemental form in fish oils. Now, if you're a plant-based eater, then you're probably not going to want those. So you can either really start using more in the way of flax to try and just optimize that, you know, get as much ALA as possible so your body's got a lot to convert to DHA and EPA, Um or you can try algal um, algal forms of these things. And, and algae actually produce the types of omega-3 fats that we use in our body. So supplement enough
0: B12 and you're on your way to having a healthy vegan diet.
5: I'd say it no, definitely it's not necessary to eat animal products. Um, you know, the only supplement I take is B12. Um, but if I can survive, and, and thrive just by eating a, a, um, uh, a vegan diet and taking a supplement of B12 every day. I'll save thousands of animals, hundreds of thousands of animals, the planet, and also my health is going to be good. I'm going to do it. Um, taking a little bit of B12 every day is not a hindrance at all.
0: Author and vegan events organizer Sean Callahan, otherwise known as Fat Gay Vegan, agrees that the
1: vegan diet is accessible to most. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the real success of veganism lies in the fact that ordinary people can see it some, as a compassionate act that they can do. It's not something out of the ordinary. It's not something that they have to try or suffer to, to do or experience. You know, it's so accessible in the U.K. now that it's an easy choice to opt into. And I think, you know, people want to do the right thing most of the time. They want to do make kinder choices. And having vegan uh, food and lifestyle choices be, uh, you know, so abundant in the UK, it helps people dip into it. And so I think we're just going to see a, um, a bigger increase of vegan curious people, people who, you know, like people might buy fair trade or um, sweatshop free clothing. I think, you know, pe- more and more people are opting into the choice to buy vegan when they can. And big stores and supermarkets and companies are responding to that. I mean... In record time, I mean, I can barely keep up with all the new vegan products being launched every week.
0: Dietitian Sophie Medlin, on the other hand, stresses the risk of promoting a vegan lifestyle to those who don't have the resources for optimum plant-based health.
3: Dairy is a great source of nutrition, of, of complete nutrition, essentially. So we're getting lots of things like vitamin B12, which is quite difficult to source from other places. It's complete in amino acids, so if you're looking to build muscle, for example, it's a great source of protein for building muscle. Arguably, the best source when you look at the when you look at the scientific literature, which is why whey protein is so effective, helping people gain muscle, because it's just byproduct of the dairy industry. There's obviously the calcium, which is really important, and plant-based calcium is much more difficult for our body to access and use. So there's sort of The differences are the bioavailability of proteins, of vitamins and minerals that we need, that we can get from dairy really, really effectively. It's it's a really, really useful source of really good quality nutrition. And one of my issues is that there's a real difference between people who can afford, who are saying, oh no, plant-based milks, you shouldn't drink dairy and people who are relying on dairy for good quality nutrition. It's really cheap, it's really available, and demonizing it puts loads of people at risk of osteoporosis. People who can't necessarily afford all of the plant-based sources of calcium, can't afford supplements, don't want to take supplements, don't know what risks they're putting themselves under. Uh, That concerns me, and I think this demonization of a really good quality food staple, to me, is really irresponsible.
0: So, compared to Omnivory, how financially viable is a plant-based diet? I think I save money.
2: Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that it's more expensive. But no, I would say because I'm not buying the kind of, you know, expensive meats and stuff, I will try and buy better ingredients for, you know, better chickpeas. And the things I'm putting into my food, I will try and get organic or better things. So then that obviously ups the price slightly. That's just my choice to do that. Um, I think if, if I wasn't doing that, it would be cheaper for sure.
5: The most expensive ingredient I used to buy when I was eating a non-vegan diet was the the meats that I used to put into the trolley. You know, the most affordable ingredients are vegan ingredients, so we got um, things like beans, pulses, rice, pasta, um, fruit, vegetables. They're all the cheapest ingredients on our planet. The most expensive thing that I put in my trolley now is probably nuts. Yes, I can sort of agree with some people that when they say that, um, like the ready-made vegan dishes or frozen stuff is, is sometimes quite pricey, but, um, no, I, th- I think, yeah, I, I spend a lot less considerably, a, a lot less, uh, on, um, my
1: vegan shop nowadays. Well, the, this is the weird thing. And, and this is interesting that people might not understand is it doesn't mean a whole lot apart from the fact that, uh, you think, you know, you think about it a little bit at the beginning, but then it becomes your habit, and you become used to it. It's like anything we do, or we try to do, uh, be better versions of ourselves, or be kinder. And uh, not just with vegan stuff, but uh, other approaches to life as well. Once we make it our habit and part of our daily routine, you, you don't think about it too much. Um, Holland and Barrett is, uh, you know always been there obviously but the amount of vegan products over the last five years even in all the high street stores i mean it's absolutely just crammed with vegan stuff you can't ignore it now so it's kind of normalized it for people so for people going vegan now it's not such a strange concept yeah 20 years ago it was a little bit but um you know now it's almost like just another type of way of living or when it comes to food another type of cuisine
0: with any group or trend there comes a subgroup of extremists who only function to enhance negative stereotypes and attack those on one side of a healthy debate. Dietitian Sophie Medlin shared her concerns about plant-based nutrition on BBC's TV show, Victoria Derbyshire. But the response she received from certain members of the vegan community was toxic and disappointing.
3: Wow, well, I mean, I did a TV piece about veganism last summer, I think must be coming up for a year ago now. And um, people, the backlash from that was pretty horrendous. And I was saying the sorts of things I'm saying now. So a well-planned vegan diet can meet people's nutritional needs, but it's much more difficult to do that. And it's much more challenging for some groups of people. And um, people, it was really horrendous. Like from, from, I think if you are proud of the way that that community hit back against me for those sorts of things, I think that's not something I would ever want to be part of. People were saying, I don't know if you can keep this on the podcast, but a woman said to me, you must have sucked to get to where you are. Men were saying, I can't believe that you look like that and you're on TV. People, you know, people attack your appearance. People attack your, uh, everything about you when you're not saying the things that they want to hear. And that's, I was literally saying, you just need to be a bit more careful and plan your diet carefully. I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, you know, my poor mum was <laughs> devastated. She I said, can I can't believe that they treat animals so nicely, but they're so mean to you.
4: You know, I had watched a lot of YouTube videos. I'd started to make vegan friends. You know, I became a bit of a vegan activist and And started to tell people like meat is murder and i I made a lot of enemies. I was very clumsy, I think I think I was spreading the message about veganism in a in a in a way that wasn't really helping, <laughs> you know, I was just like making enemies all the time every time I opened my mouth, but um, yeah, I've calmed down a bit um a lot, I would say. <laughs>
0: Some vegans may unknowingly slip into behaviour that only serves to polarise. But it's ultimately compassion that drives much of the vegan community. From making this podumentary episode, it was clear to us that the reasons for giving up animal products range from simple ethics to profound experiences that force entire worldviews into question.
7: So I was was actually in school for criminal justice. I was in Broward College at the time. And I was taking a, a communication class because I, I, I was also in the Navy Reserve. So I was in the military for about eight years.
0: Corin Sutton is a 28 year old fitness trainer and professional bodybuilder from Pompano Beach in Florida, USA.
7: And at this time, I was in the Navy Reserve and going to school full time for criminal justice. So one one course I took was it was communications or public speaking something like that, one of these speaking courses because I wanted to improve how I how I talked to an audience because in the navy I was a military instructor. So I wanted to just improve something that I was that I was already doing. So we were learning about persuasive speaking and The the professor invited a special guest, and his name is Gary Urofsky.
0: Earlier in this episode, Gaz Oakley stressed the importance of Gary Urofsky's speech. Corin had first-hand experience with Professor Urofsky, who had a large part in Corin's move away from meat and dairy. But it wasn't merely the impact of this YouTube video that triggered Corin's desire to support the vegan movement.
7: Gary Urofsky is a vegan animal activist, and if anyone didn't, haven't heard of him before, uh, please just type in on YouTube, uh, Gary Urofsky, or just type in the best vegan speech ever, and he'll pop up. You'll see a white guy with glasses, bald head, right? And his speech, just like, after hours speaking, his speech just convinced me after that because he hit a lot of views when it came to, like, how the animal agriculture really treat animals. Also, he hit different views when it came to health He also and, and medical things. Also, he hit on different views on different types of food options that's available. And he, it was just a lot of knowledge. And to me, it just kind of really convinced me because I was in the military and also served in Operation Iraqi Freedom 3 and 4. So I was in war and I was like in bad areas, seeing it all, you know. And from that experience of seeing the worst of human beings just treating each other, and then comparing it to the same things and the same acts that people do to animals in the agriculture industry, it really, it really affected me.
0: Corin is an Iraq veteran. The horrors he experienced on the battlefield, seeing what humans are capable of and how they can treat each other, was enough for Corin to distrust the overarching powers of government and capitalism, which included the factory farming industry.
7: And you start that parallel and you raise that veil and you see the truth what happens to these animals you start thinking to yourself like yo this is messed up and i don't know anyone that could watch you know these videos and say well that's where we get our meat from won't continue to eat it without really feeling any type of remorse inside the body because there's people who say it but then you could tell when they first watch it you could tell just from physical reactions, their eyes, how it, how it twitches. Yeah, you know? that's like, man, this is messed up. So I always say that at first initial feeling that you have. Why don't, why don't we go with that? You know, why after the video and talking with friends and stuff like that, you kind of weed off of it and you just kind of like, you know, put it in the corner of your mind or bl- try to black it out.
0: Like many vegans, Corin's transition into veganism was a journey that moved closer and closer to a life that has minimum reliance on animal produce and labor.
7: So, so when I transitioned, like the first thing I did, I didn't go cold turkey. So after seeing that video, what happened to me was, you know, I was like, I'm not going to eat slant animals, right? And I stopped there because I was just like, well, I want to go vegan, but at the same time, I I hear this guy out, I believe in everything he says, I really want to change my way of eating, I don't want to condone to this type of violence, right, so I was like, "Let let me go pescatarian, I went pescatarian because I just didn't know where to get the protein, you know, and that was one thing I would say from that speech, you know, he didn't really inform was the true basics of nutrition, you know. He told me where I can get food and things like that, but he didn't go in, in debt with nutrition. And that's okay, because he's an animal activist. He, he, that's, you know, one person can only do so much, you know, so with me, I went pescatarian, and like I said before, you know, I was in school. So learning about the different foods and things like that throughout time, I would say somewhere between six to eight months, I, I went vegan automatically. Because the more I started learning about different options of food, different options, of pro, especially protein, that's when, you know, I just went vegan.
0: Corinne is now a successful vegan bodybuilder who proves that you can fuel muscle on a plant-based diet.
7: When it came with bodybuilding, it all started when I actually was already vegan. So... I was vegan for about a year already, and I wanted to find a way to do some type of activism, but something that I believe that would be more effective within what I do and also what I love doing, you know? So when it came to bodybuilding, truthfully, a lot of a lot of my friends were actually telling me, yo, you should do bodybuilding, you got great physique. So just from friends encouraging me to do it, um, that's when I decided, like, I looked into it. Yeah, you know, I, I decided I'm like, well, I mean, maybe this could be a, a cool sport to do for fun. Uh, it would also help bring in some business as well as a trainer. And at the same time, uh, you don't see a lot of bodybuilders who's vegan.
5: I was once that person, so is my family who are all vegan now. Um, Bacon, you know, you can easily create that from so many different things. I have some great recipes in my book. I've also done a great um, seitan bacon.
3: I mean, I'm I'm constantly looking at the data. I'm constantly looking at the new papers coming out about plant-based diets. And we are starting to research it now and it's an exciting time, you know. Certainly, we can see some of the benefits and we can see where the benefits start falling off in terms of inclusion or, or not including certain foods in your diet. I'm not anti-plant-based diets in any way, but those people who are vegan, they, they know that it's difficult to plan it, they know that it's difficult to manage it. You know, as a, as a nutritional scientist, I would find it hard to make sure my diet was balanced every day. You know, there's no argument about what I've said. You know, the argument is around, is it the right thing ethically? Is it the right thing from an environmental perspective? All those things.
1: You know, to me, it's such a personal thing, how we look after our own bodies. And you do what you can do and what's right for you. You know, a lot of vegans I know feel confident and happy that they're making the right choices for their own body. Um, In my mind, it's possible to live, you know, the best you can do, the best you can be, um, eating vegan and living a vegan lifestyle.
8: And remember, in the early days as a vegan thinking, if I could just go into a coffee shop and ask for soya milk, Rather than having to have it black, my life would be so much easier. That seems quite funny now. Things have changed enormously in that way. Coffee shops will now offer a cake that's vegan. How joyous it was to be able to do what other people do and look in a cold chill cabinet and be able to choose a cake to go with my cup of coffee. Um, But, you know, those things would have seemed impossible 23 years ago.
0: Veganism at its core is about compassion. There may well be health benefits to adopting a plant-based diet, But this depends on your personal resources, your goals, and your physical condition. It's always advised that you speak to a professional before drastically changing your diet. I've been Tom Rowley, my co-director and editor is Andy Greening, and we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy For Men Podumentary series. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics discussed today, please follow our social channels at Healthy For Men for more information. And don't forget to pick up your copy of Healthy For Men magazine in any Holland & Barrett store throughout the UK.